Hello, uh, it's a bookish uh, talk. Uh, today, our guest is uh, Hannah Brown, uh, a bookbinder from uh, United Kingdom. Hannah, hi. Hi. <laughs> and uh, uh, well, I'm Stepan, and my co-host uh, is Pavel. He joins us from Moscow. Pavel, hi. Hi, everyone. So I guess let's let's uh, start right away. My background is in crafts. So I did a crafts degree in Brighton. So I learned how to make things. Um, so it was uh, wood, metal, ceramics, and plastics. So we learned those, those four skills. And then I had to specialize. So I did metal and ceramics ultimately for my degree show. Um, and it was while in my last year at Brighton University, um, I learned that there were bookbinding evening classes. So I started doing them, not with a view to sort of be a bookbinder, um, but I really enjoyed it and kept kept it on. So I wouldn't, I mean, I suppose I, I would really call myself a bookbinder and a bookbinder, um, not an embroiderer. It just so happens that I embroider on my books, <laughs> really. Uh, is it difficult to, uh, to embroider on leather? No, not really. I mean, bookbinding leather obviously is, is generally fairly thin, you know, it's what sort of one mil probably that I'm generally sewing through. Um, some's more tough than others. I think I've probably got quite, um, quite tough fingers now as a result of doing it. Um, but for this particular binding, actually for lines, um, which I don't always do, but because there was a lot of linear embroidery work, I um, used my sewing machine to do a lot of the initial linear sort of um, uh, outlines. And then just to well, A, help my fingers and B, because you know it's easy to do a single line on a sewing machine. And then I whipped, so um, I had a line of, stitches from the sewing machine and then I hand whipped around the top um you can sort of see in one of the images on the blog post probably a bit close to what that means um so it just seemed sensible me to, for me to sort of combine <laughs> do, do you have any of your books in, in uh, any public collections so I have one in the British Library and there's one in the Boston I always say it wrong Athenaeum Athenium, Athenium. Yeah, Athenium. Yeah. <laughs> um, all the rest are private collections, I think. Um, I can't think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're the only two in public collections. Are there many bindings you made that you keep for your for yourself? No, I mean, I guess that's why I have my sample boards. Um, I mean, some of the little sample boards I've made are actual books, you know, little mini books. Um, so, no, I don't feel, well, I don't have extra time to make stuff for myself. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. um, if I did, it would be nice. But at the moment, if I get any time, it's, it's yeah, working through sort of commission work um, that I've got on that needs doing. So maybe in the future, um, I'll get some more time to do stuff for me. <laughs> well, actually, speaking of which, I got married in 2013, still don't have a, a, a um, photograph album. <laughs> I always said I'd make one for us. And obviously that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> That's probably the first thing I ought to do. Print out all the photographs, but I haven't got anything to put them in yet. <laughs> yeah. Can you can you just uh, clarify a bit for our listeners who don't know what the board is, what it is for, what what's its use, and 
So the board is very much a decorative object. Um, I mean, for me personally, it's something I do anyway um, for my binding. So um, for each of the bindings I do, I make a sample board. So for example, I can show it now. Um, yeah, I've sure. made a little one for the Tintin Abbey book. Okay. Um, so That's I, interesting. So it looks like a part of a design. Exactly. Huh? It's yeah. for me, it's a section of the design of the book that I'm going to be doing, they're all the same size. So I can test out colors and design and have a snapshot of it, A, so I can show the client if they wish to see it while yeah. during the making process, yeah. or um, I then have a sort of visual record of everything I've done. Because although it's great to have photographs, I quite like having an actual physical record. Um, so, and you, you told earlier that you prefer uh, floral to implement floral motifs in your <laughs> bindings, but uh, in this board, we definitely see a floral motif and yeah, there so are definitely some floral <laughs> motifs in architecture as well. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite. Um, so for me, that's the purpose of the boards for the designer bookbinders project. Um, it was so there's a sort of a snapshot of the binders um, who participated sort of the, the, the work of contemporary binders at the moment um, and people's different interpretations of the same theme. Um, so that was the idea behind um, the architecture and bookbinding project. I wanted to ask a bit more about uh, those books that are in public collections. What does it actually mean in practice that they are stored somewhere in a library and anybody can get it? Or do they use it for exhibitions? Do they display it in any way? Um, I don't believe they've displayed the books. I mean, I don't know for sure. I think it's more, yeah, that they're in the public collection and they'll be in the catalogue of the public collection. So should anyone want to view it, I guess they can book an appointment to go and see it. Um, I mean, when I worked at the, the Victorian Albert Museum, obviously it, it, ha it houses the National Art Library. Um, and, you know, all the time there, I thought, oh, I should arrange to go and see some books. And then just didn't do it. And I'll totally regret the fact that I sort of wasted all that time, never really went to actually see anything. <laughs> and uh, how does that process, uh, the process of selection of contemporary bindings, work? Is there a panel or is it uh, individual to particular institutions? I mean, who selected your books and how were books selected at v VNA? So the British Library um, binding, this was a number of years ago now, um, was bought by, I, I guess, a, a, um, a librarian or, or a curator from the British Library that went along to one of the designer bookbinders exhibitions, selling exhibitions, and it was purchased just, I mean, they may have purchased, you know, two or three, I guess they're given a budget each year to, pur to purchase contemporary bindings. Um, the one that's at the, the in Boston, um, it was actually a commission um, from a book dealer who then sold it, it may well have been through a um, uh, book fair um, to, to, the, to the Boston Athenaeum, that's the right way to say it, I think. Um, so I believe they're, they're the ways that my two bindings made it into uh, public collections. Um, um, I would, yeah, think they're probably fairly standard ways um, and that institutions have, yeah, a budget each year perhaps to buy certain different, you know, maybe contemporary bindings or sort of, 
you know, older bindings, antiquarian bindings. And, and what about uh, DNA? Uh, do you know anything of the, uh, about the process there? Were you involved somehow? Um, I no, I mean I wasn't involved in the national with the National Art Library. It's just sort of housed in there. I mean I I knew. I mean I believe I still know some people who work there, um, but I'm not exactly sure of their process of how they actually buy in um, or choose whose books they want in. It would be really nice if you could give us any context, uh, introduce us, because the, this process fascinates me, because this is uh, how the future will see what bookbinding yeah, 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 can sure. do now. We're also interested in, in their work, because we know they collaborated with uh, the apprenticeship program at the uh, uh, Royal Bindery. Yeah, yeah, sure. Which is, which is also a, a, a thing that fascinates me. Uh, shame on what happened to it, but yeah. um, I think we need to talk about it and ce celebrate for what it did. Yeah, yeah. Do you have apprentices, by the way? No, I don't. But, you know, in, in all seriousness, with having a much better space and feeling more professional through having a better space and, you know, actually being able to have my equipment in the room, it would be something I would consider. Um, I mean, I don't... I'd, yeah, I think I would have to feel like I had a bit more time in order. At the moment, I barely have time to do my own stuff, let alone find something for other people to do. Because you have to be involved, don't you? If you've got an apprentice, you can't just, you have to show them what to do as well. Um, so, I I I, yeah, I would be willing, but we're probably talking, you know, a couple of years or so for me to get sorted first. <laughs> too much to juggle at the moment with yeah young children building work sort of yeah and sort of need to catch up with myself first <laughs> we will definitely be uh, glad if you invite us uh, for another talk when you move into your yeah uh, new course. workshop to <laughs> show us around <laughs> well the good thing actually about the new workshop as well is because we have a sort of annex part of our house which we do airbnb in so I'm thinking that once I'm set up in there, um, I could do some sort of residential courses and invite different people to come and teach because we can um, accommodate everyone as well. So I just thought that might be quite a nice thing to think about down the line, you know, with guest tutors and, I mean, obviously I can teach one too, but it would mean you could do, at the moment I have two students that come, not obviously not at the moment because it's lockdown, um, just a couple of hours a week. Um, which is fine, but I could sort of um, broaden my teaching possibilities with the new space, which is good. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds really nice. One more thing, what are the projects that excite you at the moment? What are you working on? What are you looking forward to? If, if you can tell us some details, Obviously. because sometimes... Yeah, well, I am I'm working on a binding of a Terry Pratchett book at the moment ha. which is very different to what I'm used to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think dragons and uh, dragon scales and stuff so that's quite sort of yeah off sort of what I would usually do but you know quite an exciting challenge because it's different um, and then I plan to enter the designer book binding international competition so I've, I think I've got a book in mind for that and although, the, you know, sort of hand in dates later in the summer, I feel I really need to start it now or else it won't get yeah. cut. 
yeah so that would be more for me because it's sort of something i a book i've chosen and a subject matter that i quite like um plus i have a little miniature actually to do as well so yeah going from big to small <laughs> um and I've, yeah they're the main things they're the they're the things that have probably got the the closest deadlines at the moment <laughs> that i need to prioritize so how how was it for you during the lockdown and uh, this past year especially as you have a big house and then kids and uh, yeah. all these responsibilities it's yeah it's tough i mean generally the, the the girls they're they're very close in age and they're really good friends and they get on really well so we're quite lucky in that respect um but you know they are under your feet the whole time so it's just i find what's been the toughest thing is just the lack of sort of time that i've had to spend on my own work because as much as yes i can do an hour here and an hour there you just can't really get into it um and you know you say to yourself well you know i have to work in the evenings and it's actually the last thing i feel like doing when you sort of had dinner and it's nine o'clock <laughs> you just want to you know after a day of looking after the children sort of just sit down and do nothing really yeah there, um, yeah there should be some time for rest yeah that's so, true but generally for us we are lucky we live in the countryside we've got space around us we've got an you know exciting building work going on so it's sort of breaking up the monotony of being at home the whole time so we are we've handled it fine really um and but very much looking forward to having a few more hours to ourselves next week once the girls go back to school and nursery um be a big sigh of relief from all parents in the uk on monday morning i think <laughs> send off <laughs> yeah definitely um so yeah it's it's just it's just changed everyone's outlook on things really i think um and I mean, I think I'm quite a positive person, so, and because I think now we live in Somerset, our, our pace of life's probably, you know, we've got children, it, it's sort of slowed down anyway, so it wasn't like we were used to going to the pub all the time, or going out for meals, or, you know, we, I guess what we're missing is being able to have people around the house, and, but we're happy and healthy, so we can't complain. <laughs> I like talking to other people about my problems. <laughs> uh, uh, have you been doing any work online, like uh, courses or talks or lectures? No, actually, I haven't. Um, I was asked because I was meant to teach um, a class at in Somerset, uh, sort of, well, you know, in person. I can't remember when it was booked in, maybe June last year, just when the first lockdown had lifted and they asked me if I wanted to do it online and I just don't feel that my type of work you could do online it's so fiddly it's not really and I'm not not set up for it and I don't need to I've got plenty of other stuff on um so my decision was that I'm just gonna wait until we can sort of get together and do it in person again um I haven't even really done many zoom calls you know it's generally been just with my family to be honest um so yeah for me personally i prefer seeing people in person i think i guess that's most of the things we wanted to talk about today and uh, 
we would definitely uh, like to return to you later, maybe later this year or sure. I don't know when when it happens. Yeah. Um, thanks, thanks a lot for for being with us, and uh, it was an, an, an interesting talk and uh, uh, an inspiring project. I hope uh, uh, some of our viewers will see your bindings and get some inspiration to maybe implement an embroidery in their uh, in their work because that's that's definitely gives uh, gives a, a different texture and different feeling to bindings yeah. so well thank you for inviting me <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it was a great pleasure uh, as usual many thanks to our uh, supporters so to our viewers please uh, like subscribe ring the bell under the video uh, special thanks to our uh, Patreon supporters. Uh, thanks to your pledges. Thanks to your money. We can edit these videos and uh, this helps us a lot. If you are considering helping us uh, with your pledges, uh, you can do this uh, right, right now. Please use link below uh, in the description of the video. We are closing up uh, uh, in our preliminary research and preparations to start French and uh, Spanish versions of our podcasts. Uh, and uh, well, of course, we'll have to spend even more money on editing and then on translating of these videos. Uh, uh, so if you, if you are ready to help us, we will appreciate your uh, money quite a lot. <laughs> so thanks to everyone. And uh, thanks uh, once again, Hannah. Uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye.